You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. I feel like it's been ages since we talked. My last three episodes were amazing interviews with Anna the Organizer and Shaney the Sensual Cooking Diva. But I am so glad it's just you and me once again because in that time, you guys have been sending in wonderful questions and I have lots of answers for you on today's episode, Back in the Old Mailbag. I'm Betsy Helmuth and this is Big Design Small Budget. Before I dive in, I want to let you guys know about a little change that's happening with this podcast. As you may have noticed, we are going through some changes, and now only 15 episodes are currently available for binge listening. I have decided to start a premium element to this podcast. Premium meaning that it will be a monthly subscription to get any episodes past the current 15 to go behind the podcast wall and access our archives, but also I will be putting bonus content back there. I will be talking about projects that I'm currently working on. I will be sharing interviews that I'm having on other podcasts. Basically, there's just going to be a lot of fun stuff, a lot of additional stuff, in addition to our past episodes behind this wall. It's not fully set up. I'm still working out some of the kinks, but it should be up and ready for next week. It's $3.99 per month or $34.99 for an entire year of extra content, extra tips, and a lot of fun. So I hope you'll join me because I absolutely love doing this podcast, but it's a little bit expensive. So I have to find ways to offset the costs. And this is going to be a really good way to not only offset some costs, but also share some additional content with you. So thank you so much for being fans. This episode is all about you. Let's dive in and kick it off with Michelle's email. So Michelle wrote me with several bullet point questions and I'm ready to tackle them all one by one. The first one is, if you have a bold patterned area rug, how do you choose the curtains and throw pillows? So Michelle sent a picture of a sort of filigreed yellow, gray, and cream area rug. So the first thing that you want to do, since you have this nice bold rug, and I am glad that you made such a colorful and lively choice, Michelle, because it will really help camouflage stains. But what you want to do when you're mixing patterns is you want to make sure that you don't have any other pattern, be it on a pillow or on those drapes, that's of the same scale. So based on the picture of the rug that you sent me, I would say that the scale of that pattern is a medium pattern. So you want to make sure that on your drapes, you either go with a larger pattern or a much smaller pattern. Let's just say, for the sake of shopping, I think you're going to have an easier time finding a much larger pattern on those drapes. So then, when you're including a patterned pillow, you want to make sure that you do a smaller size pattern. So that way, each pattern throughout your space is of a different scale. However, you do want them to share a color palette. Now, I'm not sure if this rug is your inspiration piece, that inspiration piece being the item that's going to crack open your color palette from which you will derive all the colors from the room, but I sure am hopeful that it isn't. 
because two of the colors in this rug are not actually colors. They are neutrals, the gray and the cream. Only the yellow is the true color, which will mean that this is going to turn out to be the yellow room if this is your inspiration item. I'd really rather you be picking a piece of artwork that has yellow and some other colors to pull your color palette from. So Michelle, I hope that helped. And guys, as you can hear in the background, there's an ice cream delivery truck right outside my storefront. I am broadcasting as I do every week from my Westchester storefront in Dobbs Ferry on Main Street. Stop by. If you're ever in the area, you might catch me podcasting. But uh, they seem to turn off their uh, reverse beep. So now I'm going to move on to Michelle's second question, which is, what type of furniture is considered industrial? Just items with wood and metal? So no, not just items with wood and metal. Industrial is kind of a feel that's raw or of a material that you might use for building. So other materials that can come into play would be a concrete. Anything that feels unrefined or unfinished. Lots of different things can have industrial feel. Like say you were picking a pillow. If you wanted to find an industrial pillow that would work well with this setting, you might pick something with a chunky open weave like a linen, something that feels a little bit gruff and rough, something like a burlap that feels like sort of an industrial type material that you might use in shipping or packing. So it certainly doesn't have to be just wood and metal, even though I would say that those are the two most prevalent options. Certainly you can mix in glass with this kind of aesthetic too, but maybe you go for something that feels again a little bit more raw, like a seeded glass that has bubbles in it. Something that doesn't feel perfect and polished because that is certainly not what the industrial look is all about. So let's see here. Oh, you mentioned, you went even further, I'm sorry, to discuss that you know what industrial items look like, but you're having a hard time figuring out what main pieces like the sofa, storage unit, and side tables would go with the style. Most of the rustic industrial items you've seen are quite expensive, so it'd be difficult to buy too many pieces on this budget. Okay, so certainly industrial is actually not that expensive. There are lots of places offering it now because it's fairly mainstream. A couple of my favorite really affordable places to find this style are World Market. They have quite a selection of industrial-inspired decor. You could also check out uh, Home Decorators. They have a lot of great industrial bookcases, side tables that work brilliantly with this style. And of course, Dot & Bow, even though I feel like their price points range from the lower to the higher ends. So certainly lots of different places to look. And in terms of those major display or major furniture pieces like a sofa, again, you might want to pick something with a texture that has a more open weave upholstery like a linen versus a microfiber, something where you can see how it was constructed. So again, it feels a little bit more raw. Storage units, as long as you're looking for ones that maybe show a wood grain that aren't painted or polished, or even if it is painted, maybe it's more of a stain that has a hue, like a gray stain, so that way you can see the wood grain underneath, so you feel like you're getting that raw look, but it ultimately has a color finish to it rather than a wood tone. 
So let's look at your next question. You wrote, if you can see directly into the bathroom from the living room and kitchen, how much do they need to match in regards to colors and patterns? I actually think it's fairly important that if you can see directly from one room to the other, it does need to have a cohesivity between the rooms. So if you're using navy blue, yellow, and gray in the living room, in the bathroom, I would love to see at least one or two of those colors continued, like that navy and the gray. Because if it's a totally separate bathroom on a separate floor, or of course an ensuite bath, certainly it doesn't need to be cohesive. But in this main room where people are going right from your living room to the bathroom on a guest level, I think it's nice to have it really flow. So my recommendation would be that the two would go nicely together. Now you asked, what options do you have for large ugly vanity lights in the bathroom and overhead fluorescent lights in the kitchen in a rental? My favorite thing to do on a vanity fixture in a rental is to put in clear bulbs. So for instance, if you have one of those Hollywood style vanities with the round bulbs, instead of using the white frosted ones that feel a little 80s-tastic to me, I just pop in some clear ones that are very affordable. You can get them at any local hardware store. And I think seeing that filament makes it feel a little bit more contemporary. In terms of an overhead fluorescent light in the kitchen, I'm not opposed to swapping it out. I know that it's a rental, but you just pay a quick fee for an electrician or even just a talented handyman to switch that out. Now, my main concern is that if your current fluorescent in the kitchen is quite big, when you take it down, they might not have painted underneath it. So you might be left with a large swath of ceiling that's not painted the same as the rest of the ceiling. And that I find to be even more offensive than the fluorescent fixture. So in that case, I would leave the fluorescent fixture up. But if you could take it down rather easily and it's fairly small, I would just put up a fixture that's larger in diameter to conceal that paint imperfection that is potentially there. And I think it's worth it. Even if you're just going to stay in your space a year, even if you just have a year lease, sometimes these small changes can make a huge difference. So go ahead, pop for the extra $100 it would take for a handyman or an electrician to take off that fixture and put a replacement on top. You can get great replacements. I actually like the flush mounts at Ikea. I like the flush mounts at West Elm. So those could be great alternatives that are very affordable. My other favorite place for flush mount fixtures is either Lumens or Lamps Plus. And you can find them for under $60. Like I said, the labor would be under $100. And it could change your entire experience every day in the kitchen which might mean that you cook more rather than going out, which is a savings right there. Your next question was, where is the best place to buy large 7x9, 8x10 area rugs that are inexpensive, meaning less than $200? Okay, Michelle, let's keep it real. We've been going through this together. I've been answering your questions and I've been nice, but 7x9 or 8x10 rug that's under $200 Come on, that is horrible. That's gonna be a polypropylene, cheapy, indoor-outdoor, uncomfortable, not nice-looking piece of crap. I really think that you need to spring for a little bit more money on this piece just so you get something that has a significant or, let me just say, decent pile height of around 0.5 inches. 
anything under $200 is going to be more like a 0.25 inch pile height, which is not very comfy, which is like I said, one of those outdoor textures, and it's just going to make your entire room look cheap. As you mentioned yourself in this question, this is a very large element in your room. And to have the biggest element look like you really cut corners is going to take away from any other luxe item you may have in this area. So go ahead, spend $350 on this rug and instead cut down on something else, like the sofa, which you can get a great alternative at Macy's, like the artwork, where you can find nice options even on Overstock or Wayfair. So work with me here, Michelle, and do not get a $200 8x10 rug. The next question you asked me is, is there a way to do non-permanent accent walls in a rental? And you had mentioned the word palette, non-permanent palette accent walls. So I'm not sure what the palette is referring to, but I need to keep it real once again. Sometimes I go to client spaces and they say, Betsy, I really can't put any holes into this wall because it's a rental. I don't want to put any holes because I don't want to patch. Guys, life is too short to not put a couple of nail holes in your wall. So you have to patch it up after. Who cares? Living with empty walls is inhumane. No landlord should ask you to do that if you're paying your rent on time. Put up some art. That being said, use a handyman or use those OOK or OOX. I forget one of my... um. One of my listeners corrected me the other day and I can't remember what the answer was. But use those gold-ish color slash brass-ish color um, picture hangers that have the thin tacks that make very small holes but can hold very heavyweight pictures and put up some freaking pictures. I don't like using exclusively that 3M tape because it just can't hold anything of weight. And if you're going to make a picture wall, just go for it. I have seen recently online these systems where it just kind of sticks to your wall and they're these interchangeable squares, but they look cheap. They look bad. And a picture wall is meant to draw your eye and really steal focus. So just go buy a whole bunch of nice Ribba frames from Ikea for anywhere between $4.99 and $24.99, which is what I did in my office. Hang them with those really non-invasive OOK or OOX picture hangers and patch when you leave. Guys, renting, you always are in a rental longer than you think you will be. You sign a one-year lease, you think you're out in one year, and it turns out you stay a little bit longer because moving sucks. So while you're there, commit to having a life that's worth living. Commit to having some decent pictures on your wall. Your final question for me, Michelle, is what are my feelings on digital photo frames? I don't really like them. I haven't seen any digital photo frame options that I didn't think were pretty horrific and tacky. I have heard recently on one of my favorite entrepreneur podcasts, EO Fire, that there is an entrepreneur who's creating a really good one, but it's priced at like $400 for a digital photo frame. And at that point, just buy a whole bunch of really nice looking frames at Pottery Barn or um, West Elm is another favorite place of mine and just make a really nice picture wall for yourself. Or, you know I love the picturewallcompany.com that sells these easy to use foolproof kits that I have in my home going up my stairs and it's impeccable. 
So I'm just not a fan of the digital photo frames and certainly guys prove me wrong. Send in images or links to digital photo frames that you enjoy, but I'm just not sold. So now we're going to break for commercial and we'll be right back with an interesting tip that you guys sent me on what to do with stuffed animals that you are ready to donate. Do you love learning about design? Do you wish you could take a deeper dive into the topics we discuss every week on my podcast? You can. I offer online design classes. Just head to the website bigdesignsmallbudget.com and you can check out my online classes there. I offer three different courses, one in feng shui, one in styling, and one that focuses on furniture selection, size, etc. Choose from those classes or take all three and get a copy of my book for free. Each class is $40 or get that combo pack with the book, three classes, and the book mailed to your home for $90. Mention promo code podcast to get 15% off your entire order. Check out my classes, learn more, empower yourself so that you can go shopping with confidence and design a space that looks uniquely you while having optimum flow. Check it out at bigdesignsmallbudget.com. The other day, I can't remember if it was on a Facebook Live event. By the way, join me for my Facebook Live events every Thursday at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Affordable Interior Designs Facebook page. I'll be having another one in two days. You won't want to miss it. But I can't remember if it was that or on a podcast that I had mentioned that I have a whole bunch of stuffed animals to donate and just don't know what to do with them. So a listener wrote in and she told me, Hi, Betsy. I just listened to your most recent episode. Stuffed animals are such a pain. If you have some brand new ones, tags attached, you can donate them to your local fire station. Otherwise, check women's shelters in your area. Many animal shelters also take stuffed animals to use as companions for scared dogs and cats. Most of ours go to Goodwill, but I know not all of them take stuffies. Good luck, Tina. So that is great information. I definitely had no idea about that animal shelter situation, but I have a lot of stuffed animals that would make amazing companions. So I am going to call up a couple local ones here and see what I can do. Thanks, Tina. Definitely write me in if you have comments, feedback, anything to add. I love learning new things, and that's great. Now I know what to do with these bags, literally bags of stuffed animals that I am ready to be rid of. So my next question comes from Melissa. She wrote, Hello, I am trying to catch up on all of your podcast episodes and I'm obviously behind. Betsy, you mentioned purchasing a custom family portrait on Etsy in this episode and I was wondering if you could give me the name of the Etsy shop where it was purchased. Thanks, Melissa. So as many of you remember, I had a custom family portrait created when we moved from Brooklyn to Westchester. My husband was really sad that we would be leaving our proximity to Coney Island because it was absolutely his favorite place to take our kids pretty much every weekend or every other weekend. We would go, we'd play games, there were rides for everyone of all ages. So it was just a great place filled with memories for us. So to make him feel more at home here in Westchester, I went on Etsy and I found this amazing portrait artist. And she takes pictures of families and puts them into fairy tales. But instead of a fairy tale, I asked her if she wouldn't mind putting our family in Coney Island. And what came back was the most whimsical, 
amazing, wonderful piece of art, and it was so affordable. I requested a 30 by 40 inch vertical painting custom, and it cost me $800 with shipping. And the shipping was not cheap, seeing as how this woman is from Ukraine, so she sends all of her pictures overseas. I was so impressed for a woman who had no idea what Coney Island was before I emailed her. She completely captured the spirit. She did research on her own to find imagery. It turned out fabulously, and it is truly my favorite thing in our home. So Melissa, check her out on Etsy. Her site is Art Fable. You'll find her at artfable on Etsy.com. I recently went back to her shop just so that I could get you this information. And she's taken a lot of things down, so I hope she's still doing her thing because in a couple years, I need another one. They are that fantastic. It is definitely going to be something that is really special in our home for years and decades to come. So go get one of your very own. Amazing. My next question comes from Catherine. Catherine writes, Hi Betsy, my husband and I recently moved and bought a house that was updated in the Tuscan style. Travertine tile backsplashes and floors, brown or yellow walls, dark wood in the kitchen cabinets, and dark brown painted bathroom vanities. I like a mid-century modern style and I really want to lighten things up. I love the look that is popular now, white walls, pops of color here and there, but I'm not sure that will look good with this beige, brown, and grayish tile. Is there a way to brighten things up without having to replace all the tile? Thanks, Catherine. So thankfully, Catherine, you sent some pictures so I can really see what the issues are. And you are right. It is Tuscan to the max with the rustic style tiling, that travertine look that's kind of tumbled so that it definitely has a distress about it. It's a very dominant look and a very dominant style. If you can't remove it, which I totally understand, I moved into a home that's not exactly the style I would have chosen in some of these areas. What I recommend for you specifically is to use these tiles as a color palette jumper offer. So rather than try and fight the style by just arbitrarily imposing mid-century modern on top of it, I would challenge you to just think of these not as a style, but as a color. The colors you mentioned are the yellow, the dark wood, the travertine, which had um, veins of beige in it. So when you're thinking about maybe artwork for the bathroom, for example, get something with a very clean, crisp frame, but maybe it's in a dark brown wood to coordinate with that cabinetry. Then make sure it has a bright white mat and the imagery that you would put in there, perhaps it's a modern sketch that has elements of yellow, but also a little bit of beige and gray, but maybe it's an abstract sketch so that it becomes a little bit more modern. So think about the backsplash, the tiles as just giving a color palette and not dominating the style. And then make sure that the things that you choose for the space Work with those colors found in the intrinsic architectural items, but add a modern viewpoint. So let's say you were going to switch out the shower curtain in that bathroom. Well, you'd get a modern shower curtain that perhaps has a geometric style print, whether it's a trellis or something a little bit more graphic and straight lined to have that modern element. 
But maybe instead of going with a bright pop color like you would have been inclined to do, an orange, a red, a bright blue, maybe instead you play off of that beige or that muted yellow or even that chocolate brown. Because you can't ignore what's obviously happening architecturally. It definitely is in the forefront. So instead, just work with it. Love the one you're with, but don't let them completely dominate. Add your modern viewpoint using their color palette. So Catherine, I hope that's been helpful. Gosh, guys, I hope this entire episode has been helpful. I hope this entire podcast is helpful. It's really the reason I record week after week because I want you guys to have the skills, to have the information that you need to make your space that much better to live in. So keep those questions coming because they not only inspire episodes like these, they inspire me in general. Reach out at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. Send those questions, send those pictures, and if you love this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a huge way for us to get a boost. And of course, you can become a premium member next week. I'll have everything set up. I'll have the links for you to go to, and I'll already have bonus content waiting for you. Thank you so much for being fans. It means a lot. And thank you to Katherine Heller, my amazing producer, to Aton and the Embassy, our house band, and finally to Affordable Interior Design, the premier place to get a great look on a budget. Until next time, guys, have a great week.